May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. So I wrote my window reflection this week on that gospel passage that I just read. So if you want to think more about that, I encourage you to go back and look at that reflection. This morning, I actually want to talk about the collect, the prayer that we say at the beginning to collect together our intentions. This is one of the most beautiful collects by Thomas Finley. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scripture to be written for our learning, grant us so to Hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. Why do we do that? So that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life in Jesus. I thought a lot about those words this week. And I realized that the idea in this collar is very similar to what we do when we eat the bread and communion. We come together and we actually inwardly digest that bread. And St. Augustine actually was the one who coined that phrase that we all know so well, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. And so our hope and our prayer is that when we eat the body of Christ, that we become more and more like Christ. Not just in our head, not even just in our heart, but in our actual bodies we are transformed. That happens with the bread. And I think the Pollock suggests that that happens with Holy Scripture as well. The scriptures are offered to us as food, as food for our lives, as food for our faith, even as food for our bodies. We are to inwardly digest, to chew on it, to taste it, to think about it, to digest it, to let it do its transforming work on us. Some of the scriptures, we all may have different ones that speak to us that we want to taste and eat and digest at different times in our lives. Perhaps for you, when you hear the words, there was a man who had two sons. You know that story, right? That's the prodigal son. That's a story about mercy and forgiveness second chances and grace and love. For others of you, it may be the songs. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm particularly fond of Psalm 130 and have spoken about that in the past. Out of the depths I have called to you. 
promise. The whole song, a little mini sermon, and a little mini explanation of what it means to be Pretty soon we're going to be hearing some other famous words, and these may be your scriptures. In those days, a decree went out. And Caesar Augustus and all the world to keep up. But of course, at the beginning lines from Luke, the story of the nativity of Jesus' birth. In the beginning was the word. Those opening words from John. Perhaps that is the scripture. So I encourage you to think about which parts, which stories, which words have been put on your heart to read and to mark. I think what he means by mark means notice, remark upon, perhaps talk with others about it. You learn and be open to the work of the Spirit in you through these texts. So that you will know, so that you will know the promise of everlasting life. That's what this is for. It's not about Bible study. It's about taking in this Word of God into ourselves. Talking about it with one another and hearing of it and being transformed individually and then as a community. So over the past couple of weeks, this has happened to me. The Holy Spirit will not let me escape the story from John that we read last week in all things the story of Lazarus. I've been thinking about it while I'm awake, dreaming about it while I'm asleep, chewing on it all day long. Robert and Christopher and other people on the staff have heard me talk about it again and again and again. Won't let me go. And I said, okay, I'm going to preach about it. So just to remind you, right, Lazarus, good friend of Jesus, brother of Mary and Martha. Jesus gets notice that he's very ill. It takes his time to get there to where he is. By the time he gets there, Lazarus is dead. It's much weeping, including Jesus. The important part of the story, at least in my inward digestion, this place we could do, is that Lazarus was really dead. Not in a coma, not passed out from hunger, not hiding from his sisters. Really, really dead. And we know that because the text tells us in the King James Version, they say, because he stinketh. Right? Dead for four days, absolutely dead, no question, no possibility of anything else. That's a really important part of the story. And I haven't understood anything. 
Jesus prays to God the Father, prays for the glory of God to be shown to the people. And God says, so they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. And then he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! Out. His hands and feet still bound up in the strips of cloth from his burial, and his face was all wrapped up in the cloth from his burial. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. He was dead four days, and now he's walking. Well, the Gospel writer John clearly intends us to see this as a sign pointing to another resurrection, right? Jesus, on Easter morning, in the tomb for three days, and he walks out. That's one of John's particular gifts, is that every word, every image is a sign that points to Jesus. And that's a very satisfying and interesting and important aspect of this story, right? We should know that and we should see that and we should anticipate that. But what does that have to do with me or with you? These two people died this past week and did a funeral on Thursday and we're going to do Al's funeral this coming Thursday. They're not going to be walking in the building. Right? You know that. That's the world we live in. That's the earthly existence that we have. So what does this story have to do with any of us? Where is the good news in this story for us? For me and for you? So what, I, what I've been doing on, and where I have found good news in this story, is that John is talking about something other than just our physical death. If you notice early on in the story, Mary and Martha call to Jesus because they think Jesus can save the dead. When he finally gets there, the Pharisees and the other people who are around are saying, He was the guy who does all these miracles, he gave that blind man sight. Couldn't he, have kept this, couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? And that's kind of how we tend to relate to Jesus in our prayers, right? We go to the hospital for a test and we say, Lord, please don't let it be cancer. We have a fight with our spouse or our partner and we say, God, please don't let this be the end of this day. Or we come through a pandemic like COVID and we say, please don't let this be the end of a church.
God gets really to work when all hope has been lost. Four days, Lazarus was dead. Nobody thought there was any hope that anything new would happen, that anything new would happen. Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. So where are the places in your life that are I don't know about you, but I've been walking around for the last however many twenty some months with a lot of dead places inside me. Feels like loneliness. Feels like isolation. Feels like loss of people we love. Loss of community, loss of conversation, loss of just the casual greeting. Watching our country come apart. Fighting over. Don't get me started. Right? Feels like death. Feels like death of hope. Feels like death of what we expected. Dead places inside of us. And what Jesus tells us in this story is he says, How? Come out! Ellen, come out! Christopher, come out! Nancy, come out! There is life, even in those places where you have no more hope. Even in those places where you think it. Right? Those things about ourselves that we don't like. Those things about ourselves that have been festering in the midst of political turmoil and the isolation of COVID. Come out. Jesus invites us. So it is when we are dead, when we have given up, when other people have given up on us, Thanks to God. And then, as if that isn't enough good news, my friends, the very last line Jesus said to them, the plural, the community. Those gathered around watching this, Jesus said to them, Unbind them and let him go. So Lazarus staggers out, still all tied up with those symbols of death, right? His claws that his body just wrapped in, a symbol of his death, not of his life. And the work of unbinding, the work of unbinding is subtle right here, 
Jesus isn't going to do that. Jesus is calling us to do that. To unbind one another. To greet each person who's carrying the trappings of death. That's all of us, friends. That's everybody. To greet each one. And say, how can I help you to be free from this? And maybe you don't do it with words. Maybe it's just a smile. Maybe it's just good morning. Maybe it's a phone call. I've been seeing you in a while. I miss you. Whatever it is, this story is so much more than just the words of the Lord. This is the good news that God can bring anything that is dead back to life. That's the promise of So whatever places are hurting and hopeless and stinking and troubling and dead, inside you, inside your relationships, the promise is that it's like them. And when we help each other to come on down, to live freely with love. In that letter to the Hebrews, provoke one another to love in community. I want to anywhere to be done with this. 